Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today that, God, you're so awesome. And, God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts. God, as we look at the fact, the truth, that the tomb is still empty and what's available to every one of us. God, I pray that each one of us would realize and tap into the greatness that you have for us. That each one of us would realize, God, every benefit, every, God, just every blessing that God is available to our lives. And we'll give you all the praise. We'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Still empty. Still empty is the theme of this month and it's the theme of our lives because the tomb is still empty, not just for this month. The tomb is empty every month. And we're going to be talking today about the only way out. Your only way out is a miracle. Your only way out is a miracle. And thank God, you know, because of the empty tomb, because of the life that Jesus came to give to us, and because the tomb is empty, and because he is still alive and he lives, we discovered last week that we can tap into that life-giving power. And one of the ways that we can tap into that is through prayer, through the power of prayer. And that's what we're going to be talking about up to Easter, the power of prayer, what is available for every one of us as children of God. And let me remind you, we talked about this last week, but can I remind you of three really cool statements? Number one, bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. It's time that we pray a bold prayer to a God that honors bold prayers. Look, God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. God is offended by anything less. If your prayers are not impossible to you, watch out. They are insulting to God. Powerful thoughts, powerful truths that every one of us needs to grab a hold of. And I'll I'll be the first one to admit my prayer life has changed as a result of just the study that I have done over the last few weeks because my prayers haven't been bold enough. Come on, my prayers haven't been impossible enough and therefore I've been insulting God with the things that I've been asking for. And I have dared to step up and truly believe God. And today I want to talk about faith. Say with me, faith. I want to talk about having faith in our prayer life. We know we need faith for salvation. Without faith, it's impossible that we thank God for that, a belief for salvation. But there's also a faith, I believe, that needs to be involved in our 
prayer life, a faith that at times can appear to be foolish. Last week we talked about Honai. We talked about a man who drew a circle in the ground, lifted his hands to heaven, he fell to his knees and he prayed a prayer that saved a nation. A prayer that God answered. But you know, even still in our minds, there's still that thought, but what if God had not answered? But what if God had not come through for him? Have you ever battled with that thought? Have you ever battled with the thoughts of, guess what? What if God, you maybe haven't vocalized that, but I'm sure every one of us have dealt with that at some time or other. But what if I pray? What if I stand up in front of people and I make a declaration that we're praying? What if God doesn't come through? I'm going to look foolish. I'm going to look silly. What are people going to think about me? Notice who's the problem or who's the concern. Listen, don't concern yourself. Trust God. Place your faith in God. Because here's the deal. We are questioning the faith that is available for every one of us when we doubt God's ability. We cannot question his faith. And here's my answer to that question. What if God doesn't come through? What if he doesn't do this? What if he doesn't do that? Here's the answer. We must Make the request and leave the rest up to him. Here's my answer. What if he doesn't make the request and just leave the answer to him? And one thing I've discovered in my life is this. If it's his will, it's his bill. Come on, if it's his will, come on, he's going to pick up the tab. God's going to come through. He's going to come through for you. And I want to add something that I believe is very important today that a lot of people fail to see. And that is this. No is an answer to. And it's a pretty good one. No is a good answer to. Some people pray, pray, pray. And when they don't get the answer or they don't feel there's a green light, you've got to be reminded that a red light is just as much an answer to prayer as a green light, if that's not where you need to go. So don't be worried about if God says no, you better be thankful He says no, because if not, you're going to go in the wrong places. And you're going to be a part of the wrong thing. So Honai drew drew a circle in the ground. And he prayed. And he said, God, I'm not going to leave here until you send rain. He didn't draw a semicircle with a way out. Hello. He drew a complete circle with no escape clause, with no expiration date. Listen to me. Honai backed himself into a circle and his only way out was a miracle. We're going to talk about that today in our lives. Backing ourselves into a circle, not into a corner, but into a circle that the only way out is a miracle. Come on, say with me today, faith. Come on, say it like you mean it today. Faith. Faith that can be mistaken as foolishness. And that's one of the things that faith is. Can I tell you what faith is? Faith is the willingness to look foolish. To have faith is the willingness to look foolish. And trust me, that's okay. Anyone remember Noah? 
God told Noah by faith to build a boat. You can read that in Hebrews 11 verse 7. God told Noah by faith, build a boat. And you may say, oh, well, okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Building a boat, what's wrong with that? You normally build a boat by an ocean. You don't build it in the middle of a wilderness. So he's building a boat in the middle of a wilderness. And it wasn't just a boat. I mean, it was a monstrosity. It was huge. It was humongous. And while he's building it, he's telling the people that God's going to send rain. There's going to be such a flood that the earth is going to be completely destroyed. And in their minds, they can't comprehend that because they didn't even know really what rain was. The Bible says that God would water the ground from a Jew that would come. They didn't know what was going to take place, but they soon found out. But guess what? That was foolishness. Come on, that was foolishness. In man's eyes, in the natural, that was foolishness. What about the children of Israel and the story that we learned about last week? We discovered they were facing a fortified city called Jericho. Even with their best strategy, even with their best efforts, even with their best men of war, it looked like it was an absolute impossibility. There was no way that they would be able to defeat that city and move on into God's promise. And God said to them, that's okay. All I want you to do is march around it for six days. And on the seventh day, go around it seven times. And on the seventh time, shout, and oh, by the way, All the other days and the other times, just keep your mouth shut and not say anything. How many would agree with me today? That's foolishness. Come on, help me out in the house. That's foolishness. In man's eyes and in the natural, that's foolishness. What about a little shepherd boy who was called David who went to face a giant? He's taken before the king. The king says, well, if you're going to fight, put my armor on. But guess what? He says, I can't go with these because I haven't proven them. Now, I don't know about you, but armor is proof of itself, if you know what I'm talking about. But David said, hold on a second. This is not what I'm trusting in for my protection. This is not what I'm trusting in for my covering. And guess what? He ran at a giant with only a sling and a stone. How many would say to Day, that's foolishness. Come on. How many would say with me, that's foolishness. Come on. In man's eyes, in the natural, that's dumb. That's foolishness. Can I give you one more today? And incidentally, there's many more and you need to read this. This is a good book. There's some good stories in here that will really challenge and change your life. But remember when Peter is in the boat with the disciples, they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and a storm comes. Now, you've got to remember, Peter was a fisherman. His brothers were fishermen. They were used to a storm. Have you ever seen that show on TV, Deadliest Catch? I mean, my God, the waves they were in. I would be useless in a situation like that. There wouldn't be any of me left. I would have puked up so much. I would be completely gone. But they can handle that. These are fishermen, most of them, that should have been able to handle the storm. But the Bible tells us they were worried about this one. They really thought that they were going down. They were afraid. But Jesus walks out to them on the water. And what does Peter do? Peter looks and says, Jesus, if that's really you, then tell me to what? Come out to you 
on the water. I don't know about you, but I'm saying, Jesus, if that's you, get over here really quick. That's foolishness what Peter did. He, what? Asked to step out on the water. That's foolishness in man's eyes and in the natural. But that's not the end of any of those stories. It was just, listen to this, the setup for God to move and intervene. There was a setup that had to be made. And you know what that was? Someone who was willing to take a step of faith that appeared to be foolish. But when they took that step of faith, it set up the opportunity for God to move. That's what faith is. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is what? The substance of things what? Hoped for. means I don't have it yet. But I hope it's going to come. And it's the evidence of things that I still haven't seen. They aren't a reality yet. But listen, what is faith? It's stepping into the substance of things. It's stepping in so there can be the evidence and the realization. I like what the New Living Translation says. It says, what is faith? It says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. And it gives us assurance about the things that we cannot yet see. I want you to see something today. The foolishness in the natural, but yet the great faith that God requires. That by faith, when Noah built an ark, he saved his family. Come on, by faith, when they shouted and they walked in obedience to God, the walls of Jericho tumbled flat to the ground. By faith, when David said, I'm going in God, it doesn't matter what people may think, when he went with God, he defeated Goliath. By faith, Peter walked on the water. Some of you skeptics may turn around and say, well, hold on a second. Let's talk a little bit more about Peter. So let's talk a little bit more about Peter today. Some of you may turn around and say, but he sank. No, go back and read your Bible. The Bible didn't say he sunk. The Bible says he began to sink. And what was the reason that he began to go under? Was because he took his eyes off the source. He saw everything else around him. He saw the winds and the waves. He began to become fearful. He began to be afraid. And what happened? He took his eyes off. You and I have got to back ourselves into a circle that our only way out is a miracle. It doesn't matter what we see around us. It doesn't matter what the reports may be that we're getting back. We've got to keep our eyes on the prize. Because when we keep our eyes on the prize, we're going to see a miracle. Look at this. Faith is where you stare in a storm. Faith is what you look at in the storms and in the trials of life. What are you looking at? What are you believing for? You've got to look to God. You see, faith each and every time produced a miracle. And I'm telling you today, faith will produce your miracle. Miracle. Look what it says in Mark 9, verse 23. Jesus says these words. He said, If you can 
believe. If you can have faith, what is the answer? The answer is if you can have the faith, then what? All things are possible. As a result of faith, all things are possible to those who believe. I want to tell you something about that believe part in there. To have faith and believe doesn't mean that you have to figure it all out. Aren't you glad about that? That in order to believe, I don't have to figure it all out. Because in the natural, it's going to be foolishness. In the natural, it's going to be impossible. But what I've got to believe is this. In order to believe means I must trust in God. I must believe that God is big enough to handle it. I've got to believe that God is big enough to handle it. Look what it says in Hebrews 11 verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe what? That He is. That's the key right there. That He is. That He is what? That He is able. That He is willing. That He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond. That He is able. And that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. So the key to faith in my life is to believe that God is. To place my faith in Him. Remember the one we talked about last week who is for us who's on our side, the one who loves us, the one who wants to take care of us. I used to have this statement printed out on the mirror in my bathroom and it said this, instead of telling God how big your problems are, remind your problems how big your God is. Instead of telling God how big your problems are, and we're all good at doing that, By faith, we've got to start reminding our problems how big our God is. Let's look again at the children of Israel, a great example for our lives. After they left Egypt, the Bible tells us that God miraculously fed them in the wilderness with manna. They ate angel food, food that was for the angels. But unfortunately, like most of us, instead of appreciating the miracles and the blessings that God gives to us, we take them for granted and we begin to grumble and we begin to complain. And the children of Israel began to grumble and they began to complain. And they said, God, we're sick and tired of all this bread stuff. We miss some meat. We want some meat. God, will you provide for us? Look what they say in Numbers 11, verse 4 through 6. Now the mixed multitude were amongst them, yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions and the garlics. But now our whole being is dried up and there is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. God, we're tired of this. Give us more. Give us meat to eat. So God speaks to Moses and he says, I'll give them meat to eat. And I won't only just give them a meal. I'm going to feed them meat for a whole month. 
But notice now, Moses is like, hold on a second, God. Look what Moses says to God in Numbers 11, verse 21 and 22. And Moses says, but hold on a second, God. The people who I am among are 600,000 men on foot. Yet you say, I will give them meat that they may eat for a whole month. Moses begins to try to figure it out. Shall the flocks and the herds be slaughtered for them to provide enough? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to provide enough to eat? Notice this, Moses is freaking out. God says, hey, I'm going to give them meat and I'm going to give them for a month. And God looks at Moses and says, go ahead and do it. Moses is freaking out because he knows that it doesn't add up. He knows that it's impossible. Even if they killed every animal that they possessed, there is no way that they could eat enough for a month. It's not happening. I wonder today if you've ever been there. I wonder if you've ever been to that place in your life where things just don't add up where it just doesn't add up. We see a similar example when Jesus instructs his disciples to feed the multitude, 5,000 men plus women and children. There was probably about 20,000 people of that day that were fed and all they had was a kid's sack lunch. Remember that? Five loaves and two fish. And they weren't big whopping fish. This was a kid's lunch box. Little sardines probably. Just little rolls. But you know what? Just like Moses, Andrew begins to look at what is being given and he begins to laugh and he begins to ridicule and he says, hold on a second, it's not going to add up. How is anything like this going to feed all of that? That's just foolish. You're just wasting Jesus' time. Turn to your neighbor and say, throw away the calculator. Come on, we've got to get rid of the calculator. Why? Because we've got to have some foolish faith. We've got to start having some faith that honors God. You see, one thing I've discovered is this. God is not in the additional business. God's not in the business where things add up. But God is in the multiplication business. When faith is applied to the little that has, God can produce much. Come on, we got to back ourselves into a corner by faith. In the natural, it may be foolish, but we got to back ourselves that the only way out is a miracle before God. So the children of Israel cried out and said, we're sick and tired. God says, give them meat. Tell them they're going to eat meat. Moses says, how? What? I want to show you the key today. I want to show you what's the key to your life when it comes to praying prayers of faith today. Before God sends quail to feed them. And one person figured it out. In order to feed them for a month, it would take 105 million quail to feed that many people. Now, give or take a couple of million, I don't know. But how many knows? That's a whole lot of birds right there. A miraculous intervention had to take place in order for that to happen. But notice, before God sends the miracle, he asks Moses a question. And this isn't just any question, it's the question. It's the big one. And the way Moses answers it, And the way you and I will answer this question, I believe, will determine the outcome of the miracles that we're believing for.
Look what it says in Numbers 11, verse 23. And the Lord said to Moses, Has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. You know what God has just told Moses? God has just asked Moses a question and here it is. Has the Lord's arm been shortened? In other words, God is saying, is there a limit to my power? And that's the question hopefully every one of us today has the answer to. And the answer is no. There is no limit to God's power. His arm has not been shortened. But knowing it and living it are the struggle that you and I face. Do I hear an amen? Amen. To know it is one thing. But to live it and believe it for the circumstances of our life can be a completely different thing. I want us to begin to pray such a prayer of faith that our only way out is a miracle. I want us to begin to trust God like we've never trusted Him before. Listen to this. God's manifestation of power is limited by your lack of faith. God's manifestation of power is limited by our lack of faith. I didn't say God's power was limited. What I said was His manifestation, His display of power is limited by what? By our lack of faith. And I want to show you what I mean today. We want, I want to go back to Mark chapter 9. And in verse 23, Jesus says, What if you can believe all things are possible to those who believe. Let's read on, verse 24. And immediately the father of the child cries out and says with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my what? Help my unbelief. What he is saying here, I believe, is where most of us find our lives. God, I believe, but yet I don't. Come on, I believe, God, but yet I kind of struggle at times. I struggle, God, to fully believe. In other words, what we have just read in that passage can be defined or explained as this. My faith can be shrunk down to the level of my unbelief. My ability to trust God is only as great as what? The level of unbelief that I have. So when I have unbelief in my life, it sinks or shrinks down my faith to that level. That's why James says you've got to have faith without believing because if not, you're going to be wishy-washy this way and that way. You've got to have unmoving faith. Let me try and simplify this for you today. Let me try and make it clear for you to see and hopefully this is going to help you today. What we have just read is a story of a man who has brought his son first to the disciples of Jesus. After bringing him To his disciples, he then brings him to Jesus. 
This is a young man that had a condition that could probably be defined today as epilepsy. He had a condition that caused him to suffer from seizures, from convulsions, from actions that would try to kill and try to destroy his life. As the father said, there would be times when he would be thrown into the fire. There would be times when he'd be thrown into the water as a result of the seizures that was happening in his body that would almost destroy his life. So what does Jesus say to him? Jesus says, if you can believe, his healing can happen. That's what Jesus was talking about. If you can believe, all things are possible. He was talking really specifically to that man in his situation, but yet Jesus was using this example to speak into every situation of our lives. If you can believe, all things are possible. In his mind, the mind of the Father, he hears that. But he knows the other stuff too. He knows what he has to live with daily. He's trying to figure it all out in his mind like each one of us do. He hears, but he also knows the symptoms and he knows the problems. He's been to all the doctors. He's heard report after report that there's no cure. All you can do is try to preserve his life. That when he has a seizure, just try to move things out of the way. Try to protect his life in the best way that you possibly can. But stop, stop, stop. Can you see what's going through his mind when Jesus... Jesus says, only believe. Now you may say, well, it doesn't say that in the word of God. But we know it from our own minds. Because we know the thoughts that go through our minds when we hear the thought, well, just pray and believe for a miracle. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do it. But then all of a sudden you begin to go to bed at night and your mind begins to run crazy. You begin to think through things. You begin to try and reason it out. But I want us to stop. And I want us to be reminded today, what did Jesus say? If you can believe, if you can have faith. You see, the problem is we place more thought into what needs to happen for our miracle to take place instead of placing our faith upon what can make it happen. You say that one more time. We place more thought and energy in what needs to take place in order for our miracle to happen instead of placing our faith upon what can make it happen. And that's where unbelief comes in when we try to figure it out, when we take our eyes off of the prize and we put it onto everything else. And remember, as we said in Hebrews 11 verse 6, you and I must what? Believe that He is. We've got to believe that He is. Nothing more, just Him. So picture this. Jesus is telling this man, if you can just believe, forget everything else. If you can just believe that I'm your answer, I'm able to do what it is you need me to do. But notice how the devil works. While Jesus begins to talk to him, What happens to the son? What happens to the son? You've got to see this. What is the child doing while Jesus is talking to the father? Words of faith, words of hope, words of future. Look what it says in Mark 9 verse 22. And it says, then they brought him to him. Notice him, small h, 
to him, capital H. They brought the son to Jesus. And when the son saw Jesus, what happens? Immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell to the ground. He wallowed and he is foaming at the mouth. Can you picture what's happening? So all of a sudden, the the child's been brought to Jesus. Jesus stands up and begins to take charge. And that child begins to foam. He begins to wallow. He begins to have a seizure. Why would I make this point today? Because you've got to see something. Here's the test of faith. Here's the test of the father's faith. What is getting his attention at this moment? What is his focus on? For years, what has been his focus? For years, his attention has been as soon as his child begins to seize, as soon as his child begins to wallow, what is his focus? His attention is to be there, to be whatever is needed to protect that child. His focus is strictly and solely on that child. And for years, that is all All he has known. He has been accustomed to this. But this time something is taking place. Jesus says, hold on, change your focus. Take your eyes off the natural and place them on the supernatural. Can you see the test of faith that's going on here? Because he's used to being the caregiver. It's his responsibility as the father to protect his child. But now Jesus says what? It's almost like Jesus ignores what's going on. And Jesus says, hold on a second. If you can believe in what? If you can believe in me. If you can place your focus right here and take your eyes off of what's happening around. That's why I believe in verse 24, the father answers Jesus. It says what? Immediately the father of the child cried out with tears. I believe that's why he had tears in his eyes. That's why I believe he was crying. Why? Because he's standing there sensing that he needs to do something. His heart is broken for his child. He's weeping and crying because he knows what his responsibility is. He knows what he's faced with. He's faced with a test and with tears rolling down his face, trying to ignore what's going on, but yet his heart is still breaking for it. He looks at God and he says, God, I believe. Take out any level of unbelief that I may have. What can we parallel from this story? How can this story parallel into our lives? I'm telling you, here's the question. What do you see? Because in the natural, it's so easy to see our responsibilities and what's going on and what we've grown accustomed to. It's so easy that as soon as there's a what? An action, there's a reaction that comes to us many times without even realizing. But what do we see? Too often we see naturally instead of seeing supernaturally in faith. And to see supernaturally in faith is when God responds. Listen to this. God is and his ability is infinitely greater than your biggest problem and your biggest need. Got to try and bring this to a close today. And here's the clincher to it all. To you today, can I ask you a couple of questions? Question number one. Are your problems bigger 
than your God? Question number two. Or is your God bigger than your problems? You see, the reason I would ask that is because of this. Look at this. To see bigger problems is to have a small view of God. But to see a bigger God is to what? See the solution to all other problems. God asks Moses, has my arm been shortened? Is there limit to my power? And I want to remind you today that there are only two answers to that question. It's either yes or it's no. Well, you know, God, I I don't know because it's either yes or it's no. Come on, help me out in the house. Well, God, I don't know because I'm trying. It's either yes or it's no. It's either yes All in or no all out. There's no in between. Come on, we've got to back ourselves into a circle that our only way out is a miracle. You and I have got to start seeing the fact that God's power is not limited, that He is able. It doesn't matter what the natural circumstances may say. If we keep our eyes on the prize and we keep believing and we keep trusting, and may I remind you this, that when you begin to pray... Watch as things begin to convulse and foam around you. Watch as it looks like things begin to get worse before they get better. But it's just Satan with his last ditch effort to make you take your eyes off the prize that says, if you can trust in me, I can do what you need me to do. And until you and I can accept, and I put down here, come to an understanding, but sometimes we may never fully understand it all. But until we accept the fact that what God's power has no limits, you and I will only draw small circles. We won't really trust God. We'll pray those vague prayers that when God even answers them, does he even get credit for them? Because we don't even know what the prayers are that we have really asked for. But listen to me, when we begin to embrace an omnipotent God, meaning all-powerful, that there's nothing able to stand in His way. You and I will draw ever-increasing circles around your God-given, God-sized dreams. You see, when Moses was able to have faith and trust God, not what he could figure out, but when he was able to say, God, your arm has not been shortened, God was able to send the provision. God sent the quail. God sent the answer. You see, with God, it's never a question of whether He can. It's only a question of, will He? And even if you don't always know the answer to whether He will, you and I can always know the answer to the fact that He can. Can you catch that today? The question is not whether He can. The question is whether He will. And even though we may not be able to gather all that, whether he will or not, we can always trust with the fact that he can. And because you and I can know that he can, we're going to pray with a greater confidence. We're going to give it to him and we're going to let God handle the outcome. Come on, I want to see us begin to pray with such faith, such confidence in him that the only way out is our miracle. That the only way out is for God to move. That may appear to 
be foolishness. But the last time I checked, it was a setup for God to intervene. It was a setup for the miracle to take place. My God, if we could start praying like that, watch out as impossible becomes fully possible. The key what? To believe that He is. Come on. Believe that He is. Believe that He is able to do what you need Him to do. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.